The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Good morning, everybody. This is Squawkbox. These are your headlines. Hong Kong reports its first coronavirus fatality as the overall death toll tops 420. More than 20,000 cases of infection are now confirmed. Chinese President Xi Jinping says Beijing has launched a, quote, people's war of prevention. Asian equities stage a small comeback after China's steep losses, while oil prices also recover some ground in early trade after WTI briefly dips below $50 a barrel. Oh, and what a start. Voting inconsistencies throwing the Iowa caucus into disarray, delaying the results as markets wait to hear which Democrat will come out on top in their first test of 2020. And investors finding faults in Alphabet earnings, sending the stock into the red after hours. Well, some people say earnings B, others say miss, as Google ad sales and new YouTube data disappoints. A shock spike for Tesla shares. The stock jumps almost 20% in its biggest one-day gain since 2013 after a solid performance from battery partner Panasonic and a mega upgrade from an investor report. So let's uh, top off the programme this morning with the latest from Hong Kong. The territory has now confirmed its first fatality from the coronavirus outbreak, the second death outside mainland China. That brings the overall death toll now to 427 with over 20,000 confirmed cases of infection. Hospital staff in Hong Kong say the victim had a pre-existing chronic illness and had visited Wuhan last month. Medical workers in the city-state have held a second day of strikes. Chinese President Xi Jinping has described the infectious virus as a test of the country's governance, but reassured citizens that uh, the government has launched a, quote, people's war of prevention against the epidemic. Presiding over his second special meeting of the top Communist Party body since the outbreak, she also warned that anyone who did not perform their duties would be punished. Meanwhile, the World Health Organization's Director General has repeated uh, recommendations that travel bans are unnecessary, saying the chance of the virus going outside of China is very low. Well, Emily joins us now with more on the developments in Hong Kong. Emily. Uh, thanks a lot. Uh, good morning to you, Jeff. And on those travel bans, uh, this comes as Chief Executive Carrie Lam has imposed uh, some new travel bans and closed up some of the borders here uh, in Hong Kong, leaving only three open, and that is Hong Kong International Airport, uh, Shenzhen Bay, as well as uh, Hong Kong Zhuhai Macau Bridge. Uh, so the focus is on what's happening over in Macau. Uh, before I talk about the first fatality in Hong Kong linked to the coronavirus, uh, the latest th th this morning uh, is uh, just about 
about uh, one hour ago, Ho Yet Sang, the chief executive of Macau, says he's going to be meeting with the six casino operators to talk about closing the casinos for the next half a month. Uh, they're considering this closure and they will be re reassessing the need for further action. Uh, it is a difficult decision, he says, but it is for the safety of Macau people. And this is to do with the ninth confirmed case in the territory. There are 10 in Macau. Uh, and that is a female worker at the Galaxy-operated hotel. It is believed that she contracted the virus from case number eight, who is her family member. Uh, and so the worry is about human-to-human -human spread and also now that there is a, uh, a casino-linked case of the coronavirus as well. So uh, the need for the... Uh, further control of the virus to be to spread. Uh, and we've got the chief executive, Ho Yet Seng, meeting with the casino operators uh, this afternoon to hammer that out and whether or not a decision will be made. The closure, he says, will be for two weeks and then a further reassessment. Uh, so when that news was made, uh, they, we saw a big turn in the Macau gaming stocks, as you could see, uh, red across the board and uh, losses of about 2%. Uh, back here in Hong Kong, the market is holding steady. Uh, we are up about almost 300 points, 26,000. 639. This, as a health officials in Hong Kong have confirmed that a 39-year-old male patient uh, infected with the novel coronavirus deteriorated his situation and succumbed. So that he is the first fatality uh, outside of, or I should say, first fatality here in Hong Kong and also outside of China, bringing the total outside of China to two. Uh, details are expected to be announced this afternoon in a press conference by health authorities at 4:30 p.m. So just two and a half hours from now. What we do know is he is the 13th confirmed case out of 15 confirmed cases in the territory. Uh, he was a Hong Kong resident who was in Wuhan on January the 21st. He traveled there, came back two days later by express rail and developed a fever on the 31st of January. He had underlying health issues uh, and uh, he also is uh, reportedly to have transmitted the disease to his mother uh, who is the 15th confirmed case. So uh, fatality as well as a human to human transmission. Uh, that would be the latest in terms of uh, the uh, coronavirus update from Hong Kong and Macau. We're also looking at what's happening with the markets and reaction to the latest economic figures that came out. Uh, a dual double whammy, if you will. We got the ongoing social unrest coupled together with the coronavirus. Hong Kong Q4 GDP down 2.9% on year for the full year off 1.2%. We are keeping an eye out on some of the retail stocks as we're waiting for uh, the latest retail sales figure to come out in about two and a half hours from now, 4.30 p.m. local time. And that should be a very telling story. It won't hold uh, the Lunar New Year as well as the coronavirus figures because this figure is for December, uh, but the number is expected to be weak, which is the trend that we have seen. Uh, interesting, we are seeing in the retail sector, Sasa shares up 3.6%, Prada up 7 tenths of 1%, and a similar uh, performance for Lifestyle International, which is the operator of the Sogo department store. So for the most part, uh, the markets are holding strong. This was after a very big sell down in the mainland markets yesterday. Uh, we saw Shanghai and Shenzhen, a combined $445 billion in market cap being wiped out. Something like 3,000 stocks had traded limit down yesterday as the market got a chance to come back online following that six session close for the Lunar New Year period. Uh, and we're seeing a rebound today. Uh, the Shenzhen composite is up 1.7%. Shanghai better on the day by 1.1%. Uh, this is 
news after both of these markets shed about 7% yesterday on the resumption of trade. So a nice rebound that is unfolding in the greater China markets, uh, despite uh, some of these uh, new developments in the coronavirus outbreak. Back to you, Jeff. Emily, thank you very much indeed for that. Just some news coming through at this hour from Taiwan. The government says it will restrict the entry of foreigners coming from China. Taiwan says the ban will prevent foreigners entering Taiwan who have been in China in the last 14 days. That ban will start on February the 7th. Well, as Emily pointed out, we have had a rebound in Asian markets. Um, Outside of China, uh, we see some strength as far as uh, Japan, Korea and Australia are concerned. The Nifty 50 also up. 1.8% here, as we see a little bit of a a relief rally, it seems, uh, away from the the more difficult news we've had on uh, coronavirus uh, recently. Freya Beamish is Chief Asia Economist at Pantheon Macroeconomics. Freya, I know it's a, a very difficult question to give a very accurate answer to, but we are starting to get some understanding, I think, of what this now means for the growth outlook for China Can you help us understand what numbers you're putting into the model at the moment and what conclusions you're coming to? Yeah, well, people are talking about uh, a hit to Chinese GDP growth in in Q1. And if you're comfortable with the concept of negative growth, then um, that's that's okay to talk in in those terms. But once you get down to the quarter on quarter uh, picture, uh, we could actually be looking at a contraction in GDP if you just kind of plug those uh, shutdowns uh, and the kind of the repercussions into the the, the spreadsheets into into the models, which is a is a big eye opener in the context of of China. So, compared with what the authorities are saying that there could be one percentage point shaved off of of year over year growth, so we get down to kind of the five percent region. That's already a huge admission from from the Chinese authorities, particularly in the year when they've got this long term um, poverty reduction goal during which they need to meet that 6% growth rate. Um, and Xi Jinping is still talking about that. <clears throat> so to, to, for the authorities to be saying 5% at this stage is, is quite an admission. But in reality, growth at the end of last year was already extremely weak. Um, we're thinking in the region of 3.8% year over year. Uh, and, and again, as I said, plugging in those numbers, we're looking at year over year growth, probably less than 2%. And to be honest, I was probably being a bit timid when I put those numbers in, because you, when you get those types of numbers popping out of a, of a Chinese um, GDP spreadsheet, it's, it, it's, quite, it's quite a shocker. Um, so it is, it is a serious impact that we're seeing in the first quarter of this year, at least. Freya, let me uh, just draw the comparison again to SARS. Uh, there have been many comparisons at this point back to 2003. But what is slightly different this time round is the big weighting of the services economy in China, which could no doubt have a, a deeper V uh, pattern for the economy. Just to talk us through that, because at this stage, the market is saying we could get more fiscal stimulus from China, we could get more monetary stimulus. With the services economy, what difference does that make in 2020? Well, as you say, because of that increase in the services um, economy as a proportion of the whole economy, um, that means the initial hit uh, is is larger than in 2003. And it also means that um, urbanization is much greater um, and, and there's been a lot more travel, which again is, is through services. Typically, there's a lot more travel at this time of year, which increases the threat of, of spread. Um, so there's a lot of considerations to take into account in terms of the, the change in the shape of the Chinese economy between now 
uh, and 2003. One kind of positive, if we can find any positives at this stage with regards to the, to the services economy uh, in Q1, is that those people that have been, um, that their, their companies have been shut down in the first quarter of the year um, can now still work from home. Some of those services uh, people can work from, from home. Ironically, there was even a, a study, a Stanford study, suggesting that productivity can, can increase for that type of, of worker. Ironically, as I said, it was a, it was a study done on, on a travel agency. Now, obviously, the, the, the direct hit to those types of, of services is going to fully outweigh any kind of productivity gain that you would get in, in, the, in the first quarter. Um, but the, 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 so overall, the, the, the fact that the services economy is so much bigger is a, is a big dampener compared with, with 2003. But it goes also beyond the services sector to, the, to, pro, to production of goods as well um, because of the extent of the, of the shutdowns. Uh, Freya, um, we've talked a lot about uh, the economics and uh, if you want to get some water, by all means, while we're talking, but um, we've talked about the economics. We've talked about uh, what the ramifications could be there. What about um, the economics plus societal issues could mean for politics there as well? Of course, we have seen very limited challenges uh, to President Xi, uh, to the Politburo over the last couple of years. In fact, they've probably uh, strengthened his position as well. Does this weaken his position domestically at all? It's a huge uh, threat to any politician. Um, and I think particularly in a, in a society where there's not such an easy way of, of representing discontent, there's no vote, there's um, there's kind of shut down. Uh, there's a lot of censorship. Um, and actually, they've tried to keep Xi Jinping out of the news in the past week or so. And he's only just kind of resurfaced again to make a kind of a big statement, um, I think, today. So it is a huge threat. And as I said, they've got these um, these these long term poverty reduction goals that they want to meet by by this year. It was a critical supposed to be a critical year. And, and judging by their uh, estimates, they were kind of on track to meet that until this, this virus hit with the, the recovery starting to come through in the beginning of the year. So at this stage, I, I still think that they'll, they'll play it um, a little bit easy on the stimulus side, even into the second half as they try to um, claw back some of the, the, the growth that they've lost. Um, at this stage, they're, they're still treading somewhat, somewhat carefully with the PBOCES making um, the biggest injection of reverse repos um, on record as far back as I have data um, yesterday, and then topping that up with a, uh, a large net injection today. The, the important thing to note about these is that, um, that, that the timing of the injection. So this is after the Chinese New Year, and they're replacing the, the large amounts of liquidity that they plump, pumped into the system uh, before the Chinese New Year holiday. And that's not what they, what they typically do. They would typically be letting liquidity um, roll off at this stage. They, they've cut interest rates as well. I think we could probably see them take interest rates um, lower, probably in those 10 basis point gaps, because it is quite a timid um, PBOC with regards to, um, with regards to the, the kind of testing the waters first. Um, and they do have this longer term debt um, problem in their mind, as well as that poverty reduction goal. So they've got a lot to balance. Um, and that makes it particularly difficult in a situation like this. If you enjoy Squawk Box Europe, check out the Brave Ones podcast. 
The series explores the rise of some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs. Through exclusive interviews with family, friends and colleagues, the Brave Ones podcast features stories of determination, resilience and ingenuity. Available on Apple Podcast, Spotify and Google Play. The Brave Ones podcast presented by Credit Suisse. Meantime, let's push on and talk about manufacturing. The state says U.S. manufacturing marked a surprise expansion in January on the back of five consecutive months of contraction. The ISM manufacturing index came in at 50.9 last month thanks to a boost in new orders, improved business sentiment and an easing in trade tensions with China. However, analysts warn the rebound could be short-lived as the spread of the coronavirus risks disrupting U.S. supply chains. And that's the problem, isn't it? How much faith can we put in this data that's been crossing at the moment? Uh, analysts warn, analysts warn. I'm fed up with analysts warning. What about the substitution effect? Surely if they can't import Chinese goods and you've got the U.S. consumer going great guns, then surely U.S. Uh, manufacturing industrial has to pick up. I'm just chucking it out there for you, analyst warning. You normally spot everything coming, don't you? Until you don't, of course. Uh, here's where the market uh, did uh, and performed yesterday, up 122 points on the NASDAQ. Uh, good in-session gains for the likes of Tesla, which has caught a bid. And gosh, those 12% plus of shorts out there are getting squeezed aggressively. How long can you maintain your short with that kind of momentum to the upside is a big question, but you, you may well prove to be ultimate right, but you've got to have deep pockets uh, with your margin calls, haven't you? Uh, here's the S&P up 0.73 of 1% and the Dow Industrial Average up 0.5 of 1%. <clears throat> and here's the point, despite everything, the Dow is still only 3.3% off record levels. And that's no mean feat given everything that's being thrown at the market at the moment. Let's take a look at a couple of the uh, Chinese ADRs and see the modicum of stability that's coming back into the market from these. In fact, a very substantial rally. Let's let's call it how we see it. Baidu up 5.6%, Alibaba 3.1%, uh, and JD.com ADR trading 4% higher in the session. Now, oil markets, again, an underperformer yesterday where we saw materials rallying. Uh, and the oil market, well, look, 11% lower. It says three months, but look, most of it's there, isn't it? Look at that. That's all a January move as well. What can OPEC and OPEC Plus do? Because this isn't about their supply problems. This isn't about offsetting what Shale is doing. This is pure demand, and they can't prop up demand unless they sive the price aggressively to try and stimulate some form of economic activity. But the market's sithing the price aggressively. And still, and still, we understand that OPEC Plus are, are considering what they can do next in this environment as well. So WTI, a little bit of a rally, back above 50 bucks. But again, uh, a very tricky position for the oil producers world. WTI trading 50.71. Right, Karen. Thanks, Dave. Tesla shares skyrocketed almost 20% on Monday. This after Panasonic's U.S. battery business, a key supplier at Tesla's Nevada Gigafactory, posted its first quarterly profit. Panasonic shares also jumped on the back of strong earnings. Yesterday's move marked the biggest single-day gain for the electric car maker's stock since 2013. Tesla was also supported by a bullish call from ARK Invest, which predicts the stock will jump tenfold over the next four years. Tesla shares are now up some 300% since last summer, thanks to better-than-expected earnings and a ramp-up in production at its Shanghai factory. Alphabet shares have dropped in extended trading after the tech company posted its lowest fourth-quarter revenue growth in five years, missing estimates. The Google parent's results were impacted by an underperformance in its YouTube unit and its cloud services business. 
However, profit for the period rose by 20%, beating expectations. Arjun joins us with more of that big reveal on YouTube that investors have been calling for. Somewhat disappointing, I think. But also in the cloud, I was just looking at some of the numbers. Amazon growing at 34% in the latest quarter. Microsoft's Azure, 62%. We had 53% growth for Google. So not quite catching up to Microsoft now. Not quite catching up to Microsoft, but it's still a strong showing. If we look at where Google's cloud business is versus Microsoft and Amazon, still very young, I'd say, in comparison. Those who certainly have had a head start and if you look at the size, you know, Dow Amazon is about four times the size of Google's cloud business. Absolutely huge. So I think there's some positives to be taken from the cloud business. There is strong growth. But the key for Google will be, can it sustain that level of growth over the next few quarters? Because I think with Amazon, you see investors coming to grips with the fact that this is a, a, a sector of Amazon that cannot grow at sort of 60, 50 percent every quarter. They're coming to terms with this perhaps slower growth rate, but that's because it is a maturing business and it is the size that it is. But with Google, I think they're going to want to see this huge growth every quarter on cloud in particular, yeah. YouTube, now there were big calls for a reveal on how many subscribers, what the growth rate was. I think investors were a little bit disappointed. They thought the, the earnings would be, or the revenue numbers would be a little bit higher at this point. Slightly higher, I thought, yeah, they'd be, particularly because there's been shrouded in secrecy for so long, the YouTube business. I think they thought that perhaps it was bigger than it was. But again, I would say that, you know, it's still a, a very strong sort of showing from YouTube. I think also the fact that uh, Sundar Pichai, the Google CEO, did reveal that they now have uh, 2 million YouTube TV pay subscribers also shows that they get into grips with the sort of recurring revenue. But again, I think uh, on the YouTube front, there would be a, there were higher expectations for that. What, 25 uh, billion being the top number, and then you've got absolutely. 15 billion annually. So yeah, a little think, bit of a miss on that cap. Yeah, and I think the, the fact that it has been sort of, uh, you know, not broken out for so long brought a lot of these wild guesses to the market. I think given that long term, that clarity on YouTube is probably welcomed at the moment. If your growth is slowing from 39% to 22% and you extrapolate that over the next two quarters, should we be worried? And don't get me wrong, we all know that Alphabet is a, is a cash-making machine, has had stunning growth and has probably deserved its extraordinary performance. But again, if we are to extrapolate the raw data, uh, which is the non-advertising business, a fifth of the group total slowing to 22% in the final quarter from 39%, have we got a problem, Houston? There's certainly a concern, Steve, and I wouldn't even discount uh, the non uh, the advertising because if we look at the advertising, even the core advertising business slowed down, sort of 16% growth versus the 20% we saw in the same time last year. So it looks like on many fronts there is a Google slowdown going on. And on top of that, you've got to add in all the regulatory concerns. We were talking about this last week with Facebook uh, as well, that headcount increasing to deal with all these privacy concerns. YouTube currently facing an antitrust probe in the US from the Department of Justice as well around various areas, search, advertising, and its Google Android platform. So I think this year could be pretty rocky for Google. I mean, even last year, I'd say even though you saw that stock up quite significantly in the year, it was a bit of a mixed bag for Google. And I think going forward, if they're going to continue to see that share price climb, they're going to have to beat the market significantly and be able to show that they're going to deal with all these headwinds coming forward that could hit their growth numbers. You know, exactly four years ago, five years ago, almost to the day, in fact, two days out, the 6th of February, they were $533. And now, what are they, $1,500, give or take a bit of change after last night? And that's the problem, isn't it? Because 
you know, you may be absolutely right on what happens with the business, but ultimately, where are investors who are pursuing growth going to go at this point? I mean, we've, we've got these very high valuations, but it seems that um, there is this FOMO still in the market. Can I give you an, uh, an interesting stat? Go on. I think it's interesting. You know, I like a few numbers. I like your charts. Huh. Um, the short interest on Tesla is now 13.8%. Now, have a think about that. That's gone up over a percent the last day or so, but as they continue to rate. So Tesla's short interest is 13.8%. Alphabet's short interest, despite, again, this huge rally they've had. Anyone? Two? Yeah, yeah, you're kind of right. 0.9. So isn't it amazing how Mm. investors are looking at these two amazing companies, and they are both amazing companies, whether they are profitable or not in one case, but one of them's got a 14% short interest after a meteoric rally, and the other one's got a 09 of a short interest stocks. after a meteoric rally. They're both mm. momentum stocks now, aren't they? And if you're uh, going to see a trade around them, around ETFs and all the herding <laughs> in one direction, you don't want to be short some of these names. You might have wanted to be in the past around price recognition. <sighs> yeah, although that changed. just reminds me of that old Sesame Street song. One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> one of these things has an awful lot of debt and leverage, <laughs> and one of them <laughs> produces cash. But anyway. I love to I love to count. Uh, Should we just uh, give you a quick update on um, this uh, story out of South Korea? So a South Korean woman has tested positive for coronavirus after a visit to Thailand. Uh, We'll just update you on that story. Also, we have the Bank of Japan governor, Mr. Kuroda, speaking about the impact of the virus on the Chinese economy and just providing some support for the market by, in essence, saying we stand ready to cut further if it's necessary because uh, China's a big economy, he says, and there could be a big impact on the big economy. Quite what further cutting they can do at this stage, I think, is challenging, given where we already are with Japanese interest rates. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.